Want to ring a bell, P.O.? In this video, we are discussing the current state of the NFT market and whether the market is drying up. Are we in a bear market? Let's dive in. Let's discuss. As usual, nothing in this video is financial advice. We're definitely not financial advisors. The NFT space is incredibly risky, so make sure that you always do your own research. Josh, how's it going, my man? What's up, man? I'm jealous I missed out on the Ape Mansion weekend. I feel like I could have been a good addition so that would have been good. Did you uh, run into the uh, same group of ladies at the restaurant when y'all went back? <laughs> well, first of all, you had your own dedicated weekend at Abe Mansion. So, so don't, don't act like we, you didn't get to spend any time here. And uh, second of all, thank goodness uh, we were able to avoid that group of ladies that you just talked about. I don't think we covered that on our content. We definitely should have uh, you know, dove into that and let the audience know what the story was. Maybe we'll, we'll do it on tomorrow's Twitter space. But you know, uh, I'm excited to talk to you about the NFT market right now because I think that the market is in a very interesting space uh, or place, I should say. And it's also fascinating how quickly things can go up and, and then come back back down. And I think that we've seen a good amount of that just up and down over the past couple of months. It's been pretty wild. So what are you seeing in the market and what are your thoughts about what's going on right now? Well, you've got kind of a multivariable equation and you almost have things hitting at like a perfect storm, right? So you've got Moonbirds, which has inherently dried up a lot of liquidity by their raffle dynamic, which, you know, a lot of people, if you have 20 Ethereum that you want to allocate to this, normally you would have that sidelined or maybe it would be in uh, like some NFTs and then pulling liquidity a little bit closer to the raffle or sorry, closer to the Dutch auction. But because of this, your game theory is kind of spreading it out over, uh, you know, multi-wallets. So it, my assumption is that's probably 250 million in liquidity that was pulled out of the market. Tomorrow, you've got uh, one of the biggest drops of the year, which is going to be VFriends Series 2 that's coming out. So that's going to be a pretty massive amount of money is going to start to go into that. Now, it's just the friends list that can mint, but obviously people are going to be selling on the secondary starting tomorrow. So I think you know a lot of the mid-sized players that I would probably throw myself in the mix with would are really kind of clearing out a lot of their mid-tier stuff in order to get liquidity to either fire at VFriends Series 2 or fire at Moonbirds um, or fire to the IRS to pay your capital gains, sure. which is probably the bigger factor of bearing the lead of it's April 11th, you know, the tax man cometh or the jail man cometh for you. And I think most people are going to choose paying taxes over going to jail. Um, you know, a little, little bit more institutional players might delay their taxes down the road a little bit, but your average retail player is going to file their taxes on April 15th or whatever the date is this year that you're going to go with it. So uh, with all of those things kind of coming together, it, um, it, I think that you're going to end up seeing something in the line of like a market dry up. Now we saw in December what shifted a dry market into a very liquid market. It was when um, I think it was looks dropped or something else dropped, but there was some sort of airdrop. Of SOS. SOS is what it was. It SOS dropped and then looks dropped and you know people just got 
free money raining from the sky. I think I might've got like, you know, I think I got like five figures in free money, which I immediately liquidated and uh, owed taxes on it. So I, I think that kind of started the recycling of the bull run. Um, and someone just said, we need MetaMask. I, I could not agree more. If I'm it, MetaMask, this is like the time that we need you the most to drop that hashtag mask or dollar sign mask. Um, and then, you know, some smaller projects that came about that like are pretty exciting or the two that I kind of put really big bets on. These are my two biggest bets so far this year is the Vayner, uh, Vayner Sports Pass, which it, they just made an announcement that they're partnering up with uh, Micah, who's a former baseball player who has this really cool project where I guess, um, you know, he's got, I don't actually know enough about it other than the announcement where he, you, you know that I know everything about that project, right? No, but why don't you tell us about it? I just talked to you about it off air for a second. Well, why don't you talk about it on air? <laughs> so have you not like realized that that's the project that I always talk about? Uh, I always thought you were saying like Micah G or somebody. I, I, I literally probably didn't pay enough attention. Um, so let's let's have you run this. Yeah, why don't yes. you tell us about it. Well, just real quick. So this is my vault. Um, I have two hundred thousand dollar, or I don't know if that's an accurate estimate. It's it's over six figures worth of Micah Johnson access, uh, assets. So here's all of the chapters. And because I have all the chapters plus extra, I got airdropped um, all of these Akutar mint passes. These are the things that I was telling you are pushing a one ETH floor right now. Yeah. And then I have the mega, right? So the only, I think there's been one sale on this so far and it was for 15 ETH. So anyway, this is uh, Micah Johnson has is was announced as the first partner for Vayner Sports, uh, free mint for holders, right? So what what do you think of that announcement? I mean, you know, Mike is the man. He's having a coming out party now. That project's literally ripping right now. Like it literally just came onto the market two days ago or something like that, three days ago. We're seeing it push a one ETH floor. Is that a vampire and, behind you? <laughs> there's Nick, Nick walking behind. There's eight or nine days until the reveal, so I anticipate it to keep ripping. But what do you think about this as the free mint for Vayner Sports? Its holders. You know, I was talking with AJ about it earlier today. I, I think it kind of hits the sweet spot of being a good project that people are relatively excited about, but also a good project that you can kind of build upon, right? Like, I, I don't think you want to come out, like if LeBron James is going to do his initial mint with Vayner Sports or, you know, Tom Brady or someone huge, I don't think you want to open with that big of a athlete. I think you want to open up with somebody who is a high level, but not your biggest hitter. And I felt like this really hit the sweet spot in that. Of It's something that is interesting. Man, Anthony is just shitting all over this. Vayner, all V projects are for followers. It, not excited. All right, Anthony. Like He always, Anthony he always only up. Yeah. That's the same dude that always makes the right plays and never the wrong it's ones, right? Up only, up only. Up only, Anthony. Thanks, Anthony, for your uh, insight. And Mad Perfect says, Anthony being a wet blanket in chat as usual. All right. <laughs> yeah, um, so it, <laughs> true, says Anthony. It, so, it, I mean, I think it was I think it was the right play. What I was actually more focused on than who the drop was with, it was the speed of which 
he came out with the drop, the candor yeah. of AJ. Like, it, you know, when we were talking, he was like, what do you think? And I was like, I was very impressed with like the speed. It, uh, you re- did the refunds in like three days. Most projects take three months and just kind of never pay people back. It, um, I'm not to say it was perfect, it, but, you know, to me, um, it, that was what I thought was like really good was you hit like speed is a real differentiator in the market. And so to be able to refund the money quickly, to have a project lined up, to have a partner with quickly, like all of these things are bullish signs that you're keyed in, that you're high effort and you're not mailing the project in. So to me, uh, you know, I, I thought it was pretty good. You know, I mean, I was, I, I was relatively happy with it. And that, that was my take on that. Yeah. And, I mean, we know he's a grinder. We know he's a, a worker, obviously. And we know he's got some firepower behind him. So I'm not worried about it. Sounds like you were going to add one more thing. Oh yeah. He's going to come on the, I was talking with him. He's coming on the show on Wednesday. Yeah. That's going to be a lot of fun for me. Um, you know, he's uh he's a really dialed in person, you know, like, uh, he ain't slacking. He's not uh head ain't in the clouds. It's uh it's down here on earth, you know? So, uh, really cool that they've uh, come out with this announcement already with a sick, uh, NFT artist who I think you could say is like up and coming, even though to me, it's not up and coming considering I've been holding multiple NFTs by Micah Johnson for over a year. I literally have long-term cap gains on, I think, three Micah Johnson NFTs because I bought the first one in February 2021. And I have to think that the next two came out before April 11th. So shout out to Micah. Uh, big bag of Aku in my vault right now. Are you pretty excited about the drop? Because I feel like you. this is a situation where you have better insight than me. How do you feel about the drop? I think that if we see a crazy rip on Aku and we see a major coming out party with the Aku Tar collectibles, well, the thing is, right, there's always a post-reveal dump. So if the reveal's happening on the 20th, we might see a post-reveal dump. But, you know, look, I've been holding these Aku uh, NFTs for so long because I believe in the project, right? Like not that many people in the audience, I think including Anthony, can say that they have long-term cap gains on that many NFTs. So, you know, listen to me on this one. I've been holding it for so long. It's because I have incredibly high conviction in it. If it pops and everybody's going to get a Micah Johnson piece through this Vayner Sports Pass, then I think that's going to be good. It's going to be interesting to see you know how all of these partner out like artist drops do you know about the the um proof one uh the grails project yep. right yeah. yeah do you know what the floor is on that like what's the kind of secondary value that for, for that cuz that's quasi similar right isn't that a fair comparison uh i haven't looked at it lately i want to say it was two or three last time i looked but i could be way wrong why don't we pull it up uh i'll pull up on my side or you can pull up on your side and let me see grails uh, here it is. There's a 1.92 ETH floor. So why don't you uh, talk about this for one sec? I will be right back. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, so just kind of talking about the grails, it's not the project I'm the most knowledgeable on. Um, I'm not going to talk about it. I don't know enough about it. it. Um, but you know, I'll respond to the comments instead. So we got Anthony talking shit again. Um, we've got somebody who says, so VSP is going to pump. Uh, I don't know if VSP is going to pump. I think that VSP is more likely to be a slow burn. And with it being a slow burn, I think when I'm looking at that, I'm thinking that Vayner Sports Pass is going to trade sideways for three to four weeks. Um, And I think once 
you start to get a redistribution of the wallet allocation, then you're going to start to see it move up. But to me, at like 0.4, and it, look, uh, obviously I'm a fan of these guys. It's a little bit biased on that, and I've got a big bag, which I'm very open about. But to me, a project with real utility at a 0.4 Ethereum floor that feels like there's a lot of room for growth. You know, I mean, I think things get a little trickier when you get into like the 10 ETH floor, you, you really have to start to differentiate and you get into some pretty stratospheric levels, but under one Ethereum, like it does not take a lot to triple it. And speaking of tripling things, um, uh, what I would say is we should talk about premium. Oh, it's Vaynerchuk. There we go. Two point nine yeah. Ethereum. Get a Gary V original. It's pretty crazy. The artists that uh, Grails partnered with here. We got Hackatow, Claire Silver, Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, who's this one? Okay, yeah, got it. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty wild. Like that, he was able to make those arrangements and, and you know get that done. It's similar to the V Friends mini drops in many ways, but these are like original artwork pieces. I do think that these will probably go down over time um just because wow that one's crazy is this uh pop oh gremlin wow that's anthony you are talking shit you're always talking shit i love you but you're definitely talking shit in the chat so this is a crazy one right here josh by gremlin it looks like the floor on this gremlin piece might be 4.7 you know that there's a gremlin piece in the um in the relief ukr uh you know collection you know that right I did not. What's so it going for over there? Very, very low, man. Very low. Like, I, I really feel like people don't understand that there's a Gremlin piece. There's a Sartoshi piece. There's a Fuck Render piece. There's all these different pieces in that collection. I think they're being super slept on. Um, but yeah, just just throwing it out there. But yeah, you want to talk about Premint. Premint is something that you and me first bought on point four looks like we're almost a 2x on that at 0.75 it's been as high as almost one eat there were sales that i believe 0.98 um this one feels great i love this one yeah i mean i gotta think there's gonna be a potential for spillover with the with the moonbirds you know they're powering moonbirds this seems like just such an interesting play like i think what I think is most interesting here is there's just so few available for sale and there's such a high level of distribution here. It feels like it's not going to take a lot to hit like a two, three, four ETH floor. If that thing starts to rip, if there's, um, you know, it, and someone's saying it ripped because of two moonbirds. No, I don't think that's what happened. I think what happened is people looked at it and said, this is a founder who's putting more into the project. This is a founder who's building. And I think that what you can see happen, I think it's Brendan Mulligan, if I'm remembering his name correctly, I'm very bad with names. It, but what you can see is this is a guy who's dedicated. He's doing a media run. He talked on his spaces with us or with me. Um, you know, I, I would recommend you having him on your podcast, P.O., I know he's going to Zeneca. I know he's speaking with, I think he spoke with like obviously the proof people. And so I, I think this is a guy who's keyed in to make this kind of a blue chip level access pass. And I think that 
it's probably going to end up in a three plus ETH range. I mean, that that's my price prediction. And maybe I'm wrong. Uh, not financial advice, just kind of my two cents on it. But it was one of my better short term calls on the show. I mean, I called it out at 0.4 and it, you know, you definitely could have exited at 0.85 anytime earlier today. Yeah. What I, I got to give credit where it's due. Uh, Speculator and Wappy swept the floor on it before me and Josh bought in. Uh, that's what actually prompted me to buy my first couple. Um, very, look, everyone uses Premit. When there's a tool that everybody is already using and it's not a promise of a new tool or it's not a new tool that like, hey, you can try it out like Alpha Sharks, for example, which I bought but ended up selling for a slight profit because I determined that I, it was almost like I got, I got paid to do a free trial, if that makes sense. Like if you buy an NFT that represents a license for a software tool and then that NFT ends up going up in value and you sell it, it's almost like you got paid to use a free trial of a software tool. Um, but yeah, I mean like with this one, everybody uses Premium. Everybody does. And the funny thing is, is people didn't know what it was when we were doing our NFT, which was like we started collecting wallet addresses for the allow list in maybe like October, November. So that's when Premint first, you know, started coming out. But it's emerged as basically the number one solution for this particular service, which is obviously a big service in the NFT space. And it hasn't been disrupted by anybody else. If you look at other tools, right? Genie was the only name in town for a bit for um, the floor sweeping and being able to list multiple listings and things like that. But then gem.xyz came into the mix and, you know, kind of took a lot of the market from Genie, right? No, that hasn't happened with Premint yet. And I know that you interviewed the founder. It sounded like you really enjoyed speaking with him. He had a lot of great things to say. I definitely think that we should get him on the YouTube. So I'll, I'll have me uh, or, or Nick reach out to him. Um, but I have to think that this is going to be big, big value long term. And if it gets to the point where it really is a service that like a large percentage of NFT participants need to use, that's when you're going to see a crazy supply squeeze because 10,000 additions isn't that many when I personally own four right between two wallets and I know you have a bunch too so there's there's going to be a supply squeeze if there's actual value being created well here's what's interesting with genie there's no network effect right there's no moat you have a software as a service play that is identical to any other service that performs the identical services with premint very very different you've over 2,000 projects that have gone through them in order to put their whitelist together. With Moonbirds getting the attention that it's getting, there is going to be an enormous amount of people that are just like, I'm going to premit, I'm going to premit, I'm going to premit. With that, some of those people are gonna say, hey, we're gonna give away whitelist, we're gonna give away discounts, it's gonna be a distribution model for those people come in. So you end up with a two-sided market. And when you have a two-sided market, it becomes similar to like YouTube. It, where YouTube is a pure commodity as a software play, it, but the moat is that you have the two-sided market, which is there. That's why I placed a big bet. Um, I, I'm guessing, you know, it, even though I'm very bullish and supportive on the project, it's probably not loved that I put a big bet in there. It, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not dumping on the floor. I'm kind of a buy and hold guy. And it, I also try to be very respectful of an impact that someone can have. And I've you know, I, I'm not at all the scale of Pranksy, but I watched that he's very good at exiting positions without materially 
adversely affecting floor price, whether it's Bored Apes or World of Women. And I, I try to emulate that if I'm in a project that I like, um, because it's not good to hurt a project that you care about or that you respect. It, so, I mean, you do want to make a profit, but you don't want to dump the market and cause a 50% retraction as well. I can't hear you, Pio. I can't hear you. Oh, me keep talking. Okay. All right. Well, um, I did beat you in chess a lot, but I think you got me once or twice. So we, we do need a rematch on that. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of my thoughts on premint, but I'm also really bullish on this project that I found last night when I may or may not have been sober. Tiny dinos is the correct answer for anyone that was watching in the discord. It was a big recommendation of mine. And the financial advice that I gave on it was if you were curious, if you should take a stack of hundred dollar bills and light them on fire, or you should buy a completely speculative NFT project, you may want to flip a coin and buy these tiny dinos. So that was what I said to Pio uh, or to the chat last night. Um, the tiny dinos, I get very similar MF or vibes. And I think that there may be a law in place that if you have an MF or you are required to buy a tiny dino as a pet, I can't confirm that, but I do like the tiny dinos. Um, I didn't pick up a lot of them. I think I picked up like five and I think they're kind of fun and whimsical, but there's something where... I'm almost like a barbell style investor where I'm investing at either side of the barbell. I, I either want to invest in something that's completely silly or really high utility. Um, I don't like to tread in the middle ground. Like I don't want fucky duckies that have a staking mechanism and you're taking them like semi-seriously. Like, no, they're pieces of shit and they should be addressed as such. Um, but uh, you know, what I do think is when you get a project like that, that has no promises, no roadmap, no discord, and it's, you are just buying it for kind of the whimsical nature of it. And it's a, you know, like almost a counterplay to a lot of these roadmaps, passive income bullshit. Uh, that that's kind of what I feel from it too. So, um, part of me wishes I went a little heavier, but at the same time, you know, going heavy on a project that's whimsical is a good way to get kind of burned out. Yeah, I was, I was surprised to see that you got tiny dinos. I was definitely surprised when you told me that. Um, I didn't participate. I'm just excited about these, like, the pre-mints of the world, the Vayner Sports passes. You know, I bought one of the fuck render avatars at 0.35 after the dip because I like there's inevitably going to be a a pump on fuck render stuff at some point. So at the end of the day, you know, it's gonna it's gonna get there. I'm just buying the good stuff. Just to circle back on Vayner Sports because there seemed to be like debate in the chat. Vayner Sports is not the play for you if you like I just have to remind myself and I need to I need to set like a couple of things out there. So check it out. So first of all, you're listening to me and Josh. There's going to be talk about pre-mint and Vayner Sports. Okay. So if you clicked on this video of me and Josh, you should know that we're going to talk about these things. So just deal with it. That's number one. Number two, I'm learning that a lot of people literally want to buy something today and sell it like the day after tomorrow at the latest. Like that's the latest that they want to hold on to it for, right? Vayner Sports, book games, V friends, like these were not, these aren't the plays for you. 
right? And I also thought it was interesting. I think JC, someone in the audience was like, I got five allow list spots for VFriends 2 and I might not mint all of them. I'm like, can I mint your extra ones? Because that doesn't make any sense to me, right? Like you're going to want to mint those. The number is going to go up, not down. In my opinion, I'd be very surprised if VFriends 2 goes down. But with these Vayner Sports Passes, I'm not saying that they will be up only from point thirty eight. I'm not even saying that it's impossible for them to go under 0.3, but I don't really see a situation where these are like under 0.2, right? Like I just don't see that happening. When you look at the price action on book games, when you look at the price action on on all of the Vayner ecosystem assets, like over time, this will get built out. And whether the value of these passes is your big win or airdrops or access, like you're going to get actual value through these passes because you're betting on the the group that's basically proven themselves to be the best in the business pretty much besides Board API Club. But when you look at what this group has done, they've actually like done more things than Board API Club. Board API Club is like the the blockbuster movie that hit because culture appreciated it and it became this crazy insane hot collectible. Vayner has been the entity that's like run a well-oiled machine from like a corporate and business perspective that was never going to fail and didn't care about the culture because they were going to make it work. I, I don't know if you agree with that comparison, Josh. Yeah, look, uh, I, I think Board Ape Yacht Club may end up reaching escape velocity or and maybe already know, has. Well, I don't know about that. It, like, let, let's take MySpace. They did 800 million in revenue in like the early 2000s, which would be the equivalent of probably like 2 billion in revenue today. They, they went fucking under the second that Zookbook came on the streets, right? So, you know, they didn't reach escape velocity even with that $800 million in revenue. Um, it's still really early I watched WeWork raise $10 billion and go under. So they didn't reach escape velocity as well, but they have a good shot. The reality is, and I know that people don't like me saying this, in my opinion, I think Board Ape Yacht Club has executed very well on branding. I think they've executed very, very well on building hype and the things that they have built beyond that are not a lot, right? I mean, not a lot for a brand that's worth $4 billion. It, they put out a very cool video with other side it, music on it, which was really cool. They put out some comfy sweatshirts. They threw some cool parties that probably didn't have the most diverse male to female ratio <laughs> in Brooklyn. There um, were women at those parties though. Yeah, there were some. It, um, it, but it, it's not a shot at them. I mean, this isn't a shot at them. It's just, if you went to a nightclub and that was what it looked like, you would say it's not like a 50, 50 ratio. It, um, so these are the things that they've accomplished. They put out a video game that was relatively cool. Um, and they've done well with like building up excitement, which is really, really like valuable, but now we're going to get into a place where they're having to build out a, you know, a marketplace. Now they're going to be probably white labeling some land proposition. And that's a different skill set in the same capacity that being a quarterback is a different skill set than being a lineman is. And 
you know, just because you're good at one position on the field doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be able to, you know, play quarterback and wide receiver. Some people can, some people can't. Um, and so I'm very interested to see how these things play out. I have a little bit of concern in the long run of brand dilution. Like I thought it was really cool. The support that bored and hungry got, are, are you familiar with the fast food restaurant that like blew up that has a ape with a striped shirt on it? No. Okay. So pull up uh, the Twitter account bored and hungry. And basically what someone did is they made like a fake me out uh, in and out burger restaurant, except it's like bored ape burger and it's called bored and hungry. And they, you know, what is really valuable about Board Ape Yacht Club is the community, the people there. Like if you're a Board Ape, if you're in that ecosystem, like you are really strong people, which I, I think is very valuable. Like you all come together and like get really excited all at once and it really does build the value up. And so this, this like McDonald's-ish restaurant. Uh, Seems like In-N-Out would be yeah, a good comparison. It's a direct competitor to In-N-Out. Um or McDonald's or uh, Shake Shack or, you know, any type of fast food joint. But it had the longest line I've ever seen of a fast food joint. You, you would have thought uh, if Steve Jobs was giving away iPhones for free there. I mean, it was like a line out the door. But, um, it, you know, the reality is what if the food's bad there? And then what if a second or what if uh, someone across the street opens up very hungry and bored? It, how is your average consumer going to differentiate? Let's say bored and hungry is great food and very hungry and bored is trash food. And it's just, you get food poisoning every time you go. Um, you know, is your average consumer who's not really intimately familiar with bored apes going to be able to differentiate between the two? Um, someone says it doesn't look tasty. I would eat it. I mean, uh, as a child, <laughs> I, would, I would take a bite of that. Um, and it, you know, it's an interesting thing because the first of everything is going to seem really cool, really interesting, really novel. But what happens when you get to the 300th version of it and yeah. there's all of these variants? I don't know how that plays out in the long run. And maybe there's a way it plays out well. But, you know, pretend that you opened up uh, a podcast that was called, you know, Board Ape monkey vision and then i created an almost identical podcast with an almost identical looking monkey and it, then it was hard to tell the difference between the two and, and that's where i think the challenge is um and maybe i'm coming from a legal background you know i went to law school and i you know for anyone that's asking like i didn't graduate top of my class but i graduated um and one of the things i really focused on is intellectual property development and with the ip development you realize that you need intellectual property protection and there's a thing called likelihood of confusion. And if something has a likelihood of confusion, it weakens your trademark and it weakens your ability to build your brand. So the challenge I would see with this specific restaurant is let's assume it's really successful, right? Let's assume it's going to be the next McDonald's, the next in and out the next Burger King. And you start opening these up all around the country. And then all of a sudden, someone else with a board ape opens up an almost identical restaurant across the street from you. I think you're going to legally have a very challenging time saying that they can't open up a nearly identical version 
because of likelihood of confusion because they do own the IP of the separate ape. Now, are there ways to differentiate? Could you say you have some sort of like trademarks on the color palettes? Maybe there are some protections you could have in there. Um, but I, I, I think it's going to be very tricky to see how this shakes out. And so I'm, I'm cautious on how I feel about this stuff it, where, um, you know, what happens if someone gets food poisoning here and it starts to get a bad reputation? What happens if as the worst Yelp review, I mean, like there are some good restaurants or some medium restaurants or some bad restaurants. So if it's great when things are good, but when people start using the brand and putting kind of mediocre or worse products out, I think it's going to dilute the brand in the same way that you saw like Dell computers have an issue because some of their stuff was good and some wasn't. And over time, people couldn't really differentiate and or not Dell, I'm sorry, Gateway, Gateway. Dell, Dell did pretty well. I mean, Michael Dell's a very wealthy man. Gateway computers had a little struggle there. Yeah. I mean, uh, look, I'm more on the side of, I'm like a kind of board API club perma bull in many ways, just because of the cultural relevance. And I don't see that going away anytime soon. And I think that their execution thus far, while I understand your perspective thinking that they have, you know, there's a, there's not as many things that they've accomplished, right? They haven't executed at the level of like VaynerMedia in terms of like knocking stuff out. But the thing is their cultural relevance allowed them to not have to, and still resulted in massive, you know, gains for everybody that bought any of the assets early enough, right? Like anybody that bought the actual apes, obviously we know how that story turned out, but there was also an opportunity to buy mutants and dogs at three ETH and one ETH respectively. Dogs, I think you could have gotten for even less than one eat that I mean at uh, I picked points. up like 10 mutants at 3x Ethereum. Um I sold three them ETH? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um 3.x, whatever it was. I picked up about 10 of them. I mean I sold them all at like nine, which was not smart, but you know, last time I checked, not too many people went broke making 300 percent in like a month and a half. It, but um certainly would have been better if I didn't sell them, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, it's hard so, to tell. Yeah, I, I do think you're right with the culture, but here's the question, P.O., and it's not a loaded one. Can you think of a cultural movement that got white hot that was around five years later and was still popular? Yeah, I mean, uh, hip-hop. Who's like a good hip-hop artist from that was like white hot and then stayed white hot? So I was talking about like the hip hop movement, not necessarily like an individual artist, but Drake is someone that's been white hot for over a decade. That's valid. That's a valid point. Yeah, I can see that. Drake, Kanye. Um, am I fudding Board Ape Yacht Club? No, I'm I'm objectively asking questions, Anthony. Is is, is that <laughs> I, I love Anthony. A fight with Anthony here. Um you know. I want to know if Anthony's in our Discord. That's the big question that I have uh, for him. Hey, so, Anthony, can you share your wallet address so we can see how smart your plays are? <laughs> that That's what I usually, uh, you know, talk to people about is I'm like, all right, well, let, let's see your wallet. I want to know. Um, but so, Josh, do you pay attention? Like when you're looking for investments, do you look at just what's kind of highly ranked um, on OpenSea? You know, just like the general collection rankings or yeah. No. How do you kind of find what you're going to be potentially investing in? You know, it really depends, man. Like last night I was just up at midnight. And I found those little tiny dinos, um, just came across them. They look silly and I wanted them. So I got them. 
Um, and then that's kind of the opposite of what I tell everyone to do it. Right. So I would not recommend that type of investment thesis. Uh, a lot of times I'm looking at a project and the, like when we play chess or when I play poker, I'm always thinking about why. Uh, and that's the biggest question I'm asking myself. Why am I picking up a project? And if I don't have a real good reason for it, or if it's them greedy, or if it's that I want to flip, that's a good way for me to lose money. Um, you know, if I, and too many people trade for entertainment and having been a poker player for a lot of years, I, I'm seeing a lot of very similar gambling tendencies in this space where there's like the pre-reveal and maybe you'll get the rare. And then there's like this project and you don't know anything about the founders and that could be sexy or exciting, or it may be they're felons or maybe they're, it, uh, what was the project where they pretend to be women of color and then they turned out to be just like Russian dudes it, that were like, uh, um, lady squad. Yeah. 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 It, um, and so I think that there's something fun about a mystery. There's something fun about not knowing, but you have to evaluate if you're trying to have fun or if you're trying to make money. And most of the time, I think boring plays are good ways to make money, not not exciting plays. So that, that's my two cents. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Um, and there's a lot of plays that people fade that we think are good plays, like the Vayner stuff that we're talking about. Like, for example, here, let's look at Fawocious right here, the paint project. Was there ever, like, did you ever look into that or consider buying it? It was an open edition. So what about that, you know, which ended up being a fantastic short-term investment and maybe a long-term investment that's very strong by one of the best-known artists in the space, um, you know, kind of, decorated already in the nft space and you know a lot of acclaim um you know has been given to fuocious what made you say yeah i'm not even going to really look at that i don't particularly like open editions um yep. especially that's why i didn't buy that's why i didn't buy um one of one art i've only bought one person's one of one art in a material uh purchase and that's amber vittoria and yep. I've mentioned her many times on this uh, show. I, I like her. I like what she stands for. I like her art. It looks good. I would hang it up on a wall. Um, and I don't necessarily think I'm going to exit those positions in the next two or three years. And if I get zeroed out on them, I have some cool art that I like. And if I make a bunch of money on it, cool. Uh, that would be lovely as well. It, but I don't particularly consider myself to be like a tastemaker with art. It's not yet an area that I feel strong enough of. I'm going to early stage identify, you know, the X copy as a Bas Basquiat version web 3.0, right? Like that, that's not where I think my strong suit is. I think that I'm strong at business shit. Um, I'm strong at network effect shit. Uh, as far as just identifying art, I don't know, maybe I don't have the best taste in art. Look at the shit back there. It's like 10 bucks. Um, <laughs> so it, I, I don't think I'm strong there and I think I'm self-aware like, and I think I kind of am okay with being like, I'm smart here. I'm not smart there. And if I don't feel like I can really dominate an area, I don't really mess around with it. Like I, I don't need to be good at everything. I'm not. 
I mean, that's good picking your spots. And so just to stay true to the title here, do you feel like we're in a bear market? Do you feel like we're in a bear trap? What do you think is going on right now? I think we need to wait and see what happens. There's downward pressure right now. If an event occurs that something pops up, then we're going to see this just be a slight dip that occurs because of taxes and a few other liquidity positions. If it ends up creating negative momentum, then I don't know the direction that that heads. Um, my gut inclination is these moonbirds are going to be a weird fucking thing to watch. Um, I, I, I mean, put a, a weird thing in what way? The price action? Yeah. You know, so I, I put a call out of 14 Ethereum 24 hours after the like reveal or drop is complete. Posted on Twitter. Um, Gala interaction with people, most people saying under. What was interesting is on the show today, I offered, uh, what was the guy's name on the show who came on today? Ryan. It, Ryan, Ryan Carson. Um, I offered him a trade. I'll go a floor world of women uh, NFT in exchange for one of his moonbirds. And he yep. flat out said, go fuck yourself, which- <laughs> He didn't say go fuck yourself. Well, well, what was he word? politely declined. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, that, no. I mean <laughs> he, he wanted nothing to do with it, um, which was cool because that's a high conviction in his brand. And I respect that. I respect that a lot. I, yeah, I really liked having him on the show. I liked talking with him. And I, I want to make it clear, he never said, go fuck yourself. But he was like, <laughs> ubiquitously, absolutely not. I will not trade you a world of women in exchange for uh, in exchange for a um, moonbird. And so to me, I love that in the sense that he clearly believes that the value of a moonbird is more than eight Ethereum, which is the floor of the world of women. And yeah. I love that style of conviction in a founder. Um, and so, you know, Ryan, if you're watching, thank you so much for coming on the show. I enjoyed talking with you. You never told me to go fuck myself, but it, you know, you had conviction in your brand. And so, um, it, and I appreciate that and I respected that. It, so I, I tend to think the over under I'm putting is 14 Ethereum 24 hours after it's done. I don't know where it goes after that. It's almost impossible for me to think this has a lower floor than invisible friends. It, which I know that you were able to mint PO, but like there's more hype. There's bigger people behind this. Invisible Friends was an art project. This is a real high quality project that is operating off of like good business with some of the biggest investors in the world that are into NFTs here. There's no way that I think it ends up being lower than Invisible Friends. Like I, I just don't see a world in which that happens. Um, but maybe it does. Who knows? I mean, anything can happen. Yeah, it's already been kind of established, I think, that they know what they're doing with their NFTs. Um, it's been incredible to kind of see what they've done with Proof in such a short period of time. And to have this collection, you know, represent a profile picture, you know, for the people that are in the Proof Collective and potentially, you know, expand the overall collective, although we made clear that it's not the same thing as Proof if you own a Moonbird. It's a different situation. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it is going to be fascinating to watch. I don't think that I'm able to be a participant unless I really move some money around because I think that this is going to probably be five ETH on the secondary right out, right out the gate. 
So I need to think, I, th I need to think about it and figure out like, is this something that I should participate in? Because I should have participated in Azuki, for example, um, that would have worked out really well. Um, your target, like first secondary sales or first like three hours of secondary sales, what do you think is going to happen? Oh, I mean, I think it's like six, eight Ethereum in the first few hours at least. It, but, you know, people asking would I trade my a world of woman for um, a proof? Absolutely. The answer is yes. And there's a really specific reason behind this. Um, it's taxes, if I'm being honest. It, where right now, I, I've bought a lot of these world of women at like a 0.5 or under range. And I'm going to get hit with short-term cap gains on it if I sell. So if I sell it for eight, I'm going to get taxed on like 7.x Ethereum. But if I trade it, I don't get taxed on that. I think I'll have to talk to my accountant about I that. I feel like, I feel like every transaction in crypto you get, you get taxed on. They're like, oh, you traded that. You're, you're going to get taxed on it. Well, the caveat is how do you price it? Right. And so if I'm trading right now and I initiate the trade with somebody and their value of the Moonbird is 2.5 Ethereum that they're going to pay for it, and I'm going to swap. I think I can make a colorable argument that would say that that would be the value of the of the world of women. So I, I believe that's a reasonable tax advantage, but we should ask your dog for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, so my dog is, is causing a ruckus. We've been going for 45 minutes. I think it uh, it's about time. <laughs> She's like looking at the screen. She's trying to read Anthony's comments right now. I think, um, but Josh, this was this was a pleasure, man. We can dive dive into the the tax stuff a little bit. There we go. All right, in the future, um, but I do think that the trades are definitely taxable events. But uh, but yeah, man. I mean, great having you on. And as usual, this was uh, a great show. Thank you so much. And you know, just to be very clear. I really enjoyed uh, talking with Ryan. He never told me to go fuck myself. Uh, that was literally a joke. Um, and I, obviously, when I was on stage, I uh, it did say that I felt very silly for paper handling my proof. And I wish I didn't do that. But yeah, what, what are you going to do? So, P.O., thank you so much for having me on. And uh, let's do it again soon. Another great show, Josh. See you, everyone.